You are listening to Go Doc Yourself, your weekly documentary book club. Listen in while we two errands dissect our most recent documentary find. Sometimes weird, sometimes mainstream, but always entertaining. Grab a cup of coffee and let's clutch. Hi, and welcome to Go Doc Yourself. I'm Erin McCart. And I'm Erin McCart. Welcome back, guys. I'm so excited to talk about our documentary this week, so I'm happy you're here with us. I hope you've seen it because, oh boy, oh boy, there's so much to say. There really is. Um, I would like to call out the fact that I believe I got this one off Amazon and the rental for this was seven days for me. And that's almost never the case. It's almost always two days and you get like, you have to finish it in that time. And sometimes it's a little bit hard. Um, I've obviously had to rent it twice as that's been a thing we've talked about, but this time I was like just languishing and all this time to do my documentary. It was really fun. Nice. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Normally it's like you have 30 days, but once you start it, you must watch within 48 hours. Or it turns into a pumpkin. Or you turn into a pumpkin. I'm not sure which. Oh, I don't want to chance mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. No, it's not worth the risk. This is Just One Mile. And I also got it on Amazon. It was done in 2023. It's an hour and 37 minutes long, directed by Dwayne Codrington and Ed Coughlin, who don't have a lot of other directing credits to the names, but have been in the movie industry for a while. So took a look around. Well done. Nice jump, guys. Agreed. I very much enjoyed this documentary. It is, I think, in the same thread as some of the other ones we've done, like the bridge one and just some very confident men jump out. (laughs) And it's it's just really strange to see the way people address the camera and things like that. Yeah. Let's just go ahead and get into it. So Mm -hmm. Chad Wright is the first guy that we talked to for this documentary. Mm -hmm. He is obviously an ultra runner, um, like ultra marathons. And he discusses the whole time the need to strive against himself. He's constantly looking for a, a, a competitor of clout. I don't know. Like, it's just funny to hear him talk about that. But then he also talks about, like, I don't have to prove anything. Thank you. I wrote down, I'm like, is it? Everything you just said, the exact opposite of that, dude. Yes, it is very strange. And he also looks like an extra in ZZ Top. He's got the biggest beard. I'm like, is that not like hot? It's extra hot. Yes. And it's not like it's well kept. It's just there. Real long Real wild man, real duck dynasty, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of comparisons, but he doesn't braid it. He doesn't like put the little, you know, things Neat. to make it a bubble ponytail situation. <laughs> there's nothing going on there. It's just uh, absorbing heat, possibly his dinner, and then it's just hanging out. Yeah, it's it's not a good. That's situation. not a aerodynamic, my dude. I thought that too, but. As we'll find out, speed is not what we're going for here. It's not what we're going for. Let me tell you about the race, guys. So this race is held in, it's just outside Franklin, Tennessee. So the southern-ish portion of the United States. It is held in the Tennessee mountains. And I looked it up and it's held in like June. So hot, gross. Why would you do it in June? Uh, Whatever. So humid. So fucking humid. Yes. It is a 1.1 mile loop. You have 340 feet of elevation gain and loss over every mile. That's crazy. So they at one point put it in perspective. They're like 340, 350 feet of elevation gain and loss in every mile, right? If you go 100 miles, that's 35,000 feet. And just for example, Mount Everest is 25,000 feet. So as you're running continuously, 
you're essentially running up mountains over time. They have 20 minutes to complete each loop. So they start at a whistle and they have 20 minutes to make it back to that starting line to start again. Now, if you get back in 17 minutes, then you have three minutes to eat something real quick, drink something real quick. You have a little bit of time to yourself before you have to get back in that line and ready to run again. So it behooves you to have a little bit of speed, but you do want to pace yourself. There is no finish line. So there's no amount of laps that you do. It is a last man standing race. You run until no one else is running. That's really hard to work towards, right? Because if you're working towards a specific goal, it's a little bit easier than just, well, keep going forever. Don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. You have a, there's a culmination, right? Like you, as a, like a marathon, you know, you're running 26.2 miles or whatever it is. And at mile 14, you're like, okay, I'm halfway there or whatever. Mm -hmm. But in Mm -hmm. this case, there is no defined ending. Mm Mm-hmm. So, sounds horrible. Yeah. And they talk about, you just have to take it literally one mile at a time. Just focus on that one mile, get through that one, and then, and then deal with the next one. You, like I said, there's, there's no end. There's no trophy. There's no prize money. The, The winner gets a quilt. So I guess that's nice. Good for them. Yeah. Which they will be using for the next six months to recuperate under. (laughs) I would think. Yeah. Yeah. When the documentarian asks, so what do you have at the end? Uh, Just a broken down body? And they're like, yeah, pretty much. And the fact that you've pushed yourself to the absolute limit of your ability. Well, several of them discuss they're willing to break their body to do this, to understand where their personal limit is. And to go back to what you were saying about that's a specific mindset, because I don't want to break my body for anything. I mean, just normal wear and tear is enough to mm-hmm. make it hard to get out of bed sometimes. <laughs> and I don't, I'm not blown out a knee uh, running down a hill or anything. Um, it's much more pedestrian than that for me. Right. I think birthing children is the most I'm going to put my body through and I'm okay with that. That's okay. And even that afterwards, you're like, was it worth it? It's hard to tell. <laughs> Some days, some days. <laughs> uh, don't don't take that person, Riley. Um, Riley, yeah, sorry about that, Riley. <laughs> so they show the end of last year's race, and I say last year. I think it must have been like 2020, 2021, right? So the race before the one they're filming here, and you see Greg Armstrong, who ran a total of 95.7 miles. He ran for 30 hours and he was like fumbling across the line. Like his quads had locked up. Cause again, you go downhill, which seems like the easy part. I was like, I can totally do downhill, but that apparently really is the worst part. It messes you up. I liken this too. He looks like he's coming straight out of thriller, the thriller <laughs> video. Like he yeah. is just moving in a, very problematic fashion like a stiff leg run almost Mm -hmm. and you're right he just collapses across the finish line it's not it's not it's very strange to see because this looks like some kind of extreme survival situation but it's not it's voluntary yeah no one was chasing him to my surprise (laughs) right and yeah and then our friend chad did the he Continued in one. So he had to do one more lap after Greg fell. And then that made him the winner. And Chad said, I won last year at 30 hours. And all I thought was this sucks. I feel like I could go another 30 hours. And again, Chad, no one is stopping you from running like Forrest Gump. Just go, man. Just go (laughs) and do your thing. And that'll be fine. Well, exactly. Uh, Chad with two D's which is in itself annoying, but um, yes. he, he doesn't know where his limit is, Aaron. How's he going to find out unless he pushes himself by mentally beating up on all the competitors that he ever comes across. That's what it seems like for me. It's, it's less about him pushing himself and more about beating others, right? He doesn't really care where his limits are. He just wants to make sure he's better than other people is really what it comes down to. 
And he talks about he's got to fill the hole inside himself. And I'm like, maybe a hug, maybe a puppy. Cheese. I don't Cheese. know. <laughs> yeah. Any of those things. Right? And you so guys, funny. He, he is married to my surprise. And I think everyone else is, honestly. He has a wife. Yeah, that's exactly what my notes said. They were like, wait, he's married? I know. I know. She's got to be completely either dead inside, unsatisfied. I don't know. I, I just, I can't imagine the type of woman that would be happy with someone like that. There are some things that happen in this documentary that are straight up divorce material. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. this just an hour and a half long movie. So I can imagine <laughs> the rest of his life is not good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's rough. Right. So what this documentary is showing is, the most current race they want they're going to show chad defeat defend yeah that's the word defend his title and at first they're like um greg armstrong will not be competing this year so that's a shame who knows who knows who'll come will they bring the heat yeah who's gonna who's gonna bring it for chad but lo and behold greg armstrong just seems to roll up out of nowhere Maybe yeah. he has some shoes in the car. Yeah. But he brought like basically nothing but car snacks, what he's got in his car, which is impressive. Mm -hmm. And like, this is right at the last minute. And it's a good thing for Chad because now he has a nemesis. Mm -hmm. And uh, Greg's like, yeah, I didn't even tell my wife. And I'm like, maybe tell your wife. Do you value your marriage? Mm hmm. Before you come home broken and she's going to have to put you back together, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't have a shirt on, so I'm not sure he owns a shirt. Yeah. Yeah, but just like, yeah, I've got some running shoes in the car and, uh, you know, bag full of skinny pop and I guess I'm good to go. It is so weird. It is. And he had to borrow? I'm assuming he got to keep this plastic bottle of water that he could refill because he didn't have a water bottle. So... Yeah, he's he's bare bones in it, this one. There are people who have trained, they have gels, which are like the nutritional gels that marathoners eat, which I'm sure are disgusting. They have like food and they have tents and they have people with them there to help like get food ready. Sometimes people have avocado toast waiting for them when they get done with their miles so they can sit and eat real quick. They have, mm -hmm. you know, drinks mm -hmm. and someone to rub your gross, gross feet, their toenails falling off. Oh, so so I know. So, yeah, he was just like, nah, I got this. He didn't have a chair to sit in. He was sitting like, on the back of a car or something whenever he came back around. But again, here we go with, he didn't just, this This is off the beaten trail. He didn't just stumble on it. You, <laughs> just like, yeah. okay, dude. <laughs> yeah, he came to watch and he also didn't have a shirt on to watch. He's just got some shorts and barefoot, like he's some hippie or something. I don't know. Yeah. So it's an interesting cat, the Greg Armstrong. Mm -hmm. Pretty chill, though. Yeah, chill. he seems cool. Other than the not telling his wife that he's running. I do have I do have issue with that. I'm sure she did, too. <laughs> uh, some of our other players, we have Danny Novotny. He's a plumber. He looks about 15. I think he's older, but he looks pretty young. He's got the best mohawk mullet combo I think I've ever seen. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> it stands up so nicely like whatever product he should be paid for that because it is epic yeah it's not it's not like crunchy at all it just looks natural no yeah no he also made the comment you know he pushes himself does scary things whatever and he said everything i've done has led up to this point and i hate that saying because that's true whether you planned it or not here you are <laughs> I, I just never understood that saying Whatever. Yeah. Who else do we have running? James Ward. Mm-hmm. Who seems like a total sweetheart. He, I don't know what else I really want to say about James. He's trained a little bit with Chad, which I'm like, so he's got epic patience. Um, mm -hmm. That's nice. Mm -hmm. He is maybe 45. Maybe. He's like a little salt and pepper, right? But he talks about having old man strength. And I'm like, is think that's when old man strength gets kicked in 
But nonetheless, he did say that. I think the biggest thing to talk about for James is his dad is ill. He's in the ICU. There was definite discussion in his family. Would James race? Would he not? And so his dad is like, yeah, please go ahead and race. There's nothing really you can do here. Um, And that is a running theme throughout this documentary is what's going on with James's dad. So you can tell he's really torn. Really, he ends up scratching right before they start because um, his dad has taken a turn for the worse. But lo and behold, I guess they got like 10 minutes down the road and somebody called and they're like, he's fine, he's fine. And then he goes back, um, which I'm like, sounds like a great way to start an endurance race. With your an adrenaline dump? Yeah, let's just get that out of the <laughs> <Yes>. way. <laughs> right. He seems really right. cool, though. I, I did like him a lot. Yeah. And his wife seemed lovely, too. She was on here as well. And they do show... Throughout this, they show some of the practice that James and Chad were having together. And it's all Chad just talking at James. It's always him talking at people all the time. Absolutely. Non-stop. And it's so, he's just pontificating all the time. Um, He's got some real fucking weird thoughts like, look, Aaron emotions waste your energy you don't need those emotions and i'm like that's we're not talking about that with men in 2023 and 2023 we're saying things like men please have emotions please be emotionally available for the people in your life let's quit with this macho bullshit yeah that was interesting because at first when he said it he was like he really prides himself in being able to control his emotions and keep them in check and i thought oh your wife must be real happy with you but Then he did reference, this is the one time I will kind of agree with him. Because what he said was, crying and and having those emotions actually wastes energy. So if you're running, while you're running in the marathon, if you can control that, then you're not wasting energy that that you desperately need to keep going, right? And in this context, it actually made sense because here you have James, whose dad is ill, who he can't be with or isn't with, I won't say can't, um, you know, having those emotions going through him, does that waste energy while he's trying to run and trying to do this marathon? So in that instance, it made sense, but I have a feeling it goes beyond that for our friend Chadid. Blake Wright, who is Chadid's brother, Mm -hmm. he's a crew member. He identifies as a crew member. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he talks about the terrain being pretty hard and, I guess I had beef again with Chad because he says we a lot. There's a lot of we. And I'm like, is that because you're talking about yourself in the third person? Or is it because (laughs) you're like acknowledging the crew who probably help you be successful because everybody there is super supportive. Like they're always like, keep going one foot in front of the other, blah, blah, blah. Here's your avocado toast. Um, I'll say that Chad's crew has to do some amazing stuff. And how they maintain that relationship afterwards is fascinating. But we'll get there. Uh, But yeah, it it is very unclear what Chad means when he says we. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the royal we is what I assume. We have Billy Dolan, who I didn't write much down other than he works for an NGO and he's one of the runners. And then the other one I want to mention is Luke Bolschweiler. I probably slaughtered that name, but Luke cracks me up. He absolutely cracks me up. He talked the entire time, but it wasn't like Chad talking at you. He was just, hi, I'm Luke. Who are you? It was like a toddler the whole time. Let me first tell you that I caught on to the fact that he is a auto design engineer. And I was like, I'm sure that he is. Sounds like (laughs) But yeah, he is running and talking to some poor lady about some record he holds mm-hmm. that she's never even fucking heard of. But she's trying to be nice and like, oh, that's great. Blah, blah. But he talks like that to everybody the whole time. Whole time. He does not stop talking. The other thing I noticed about Luke was he has got the biggest sold shoes I've ever seen in my life. They look like clown shoes. I didn't the soul is so big. Yeah, it's crazy. 
Hey, I think you would need a lot of soul to run this race. Uh-huh. Just yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think it's funny because he is talking like literally the whole time until until the very end. But at one point, I don't remember if it was James or our friend Chad who had a camera as they're running. And it's dead quiet. People are quiet. They're going up a hill. It's not easy. And then you hear Luke the whole time. You just hear him talking. I don't even know what he was saying, but it was just so funny. I'm like, my dude. Just I think it'd be exhausting to run by him. So I would either <sighs> on purpose speed up or on purpose slow down. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now you can tell that Luke is an avid runner. Mm-hmm. He talks a lot about that this is a little bit different for him because it's not on pace with how he normally runs. Because if you're a runner, things like how quick you turn a mile, those are big deals, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think in a situation like this, what your body is used to probably is a factor. But it's kind of funny how he's just shitting on everybody in the beginning. We're like, oh, this is so slow. And you're mm-hmm. like, okay. He sounds like the kind of guy who's just going to flame out immediately. But he did surprise me in that regard. So, right. Right. <sighs> okay, so we start with about 100 runners. I don't think it was exactly 100, but close to 100 runners doing this race. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I just, why would anyone do this? As I watch people do this, I'm like, why would anyone do this? There are a few ladies, I'll say. Um, I was surprised by by the fact that there were several ladies. So good for you, I guess. And who had the fucking cowbell when they're running? There are people along the trail supporting them and they have like a cowbell mm-hmm. or something the whole time. And I'm like, oh my God, stop. But maybe they were keeping bears away. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it sounds like whatever Olympics that was several years ago where the cowbell, you didn't hear the cowbell before that. And ever since then, it's been prominent at sporting events. But I would think like hours and hours and hours in I'd probably have to run off the trail and strangle that person. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Just kick him as you go by. And that's something else. This is a very wooded area. Oh my God. Can you imagine the bugs? Can you imagine how bad the bugs would be? Mm-mm. I mean, at some point I think you're just so covered by mud. They don't bother you anymore. I guess. Cause there's a lot of like people's legs are coated with dirt and sweaty. Ugh, so gross. I just wanted to mention that I noticed there is not a brown person among Mm -hmm. these runners. Mm -hmm. This is some white people shit. I noticed the same thing because I Mm -hmm. was thinking most of the extreme marathons I've seen documentaries on. I don't go watch them. (laughs) There there are no brown people. They're smarter than that. I concur. Mm -hmm. They got better things to spend their money on. And I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they have figured out that they don't need to prove anything to anybody. Even if you talk about it on these documentaries, I'm like, that's ironic, right? (laughs) Right. So weird. Mm -mm. Mm. So they talk a little bit more about Chad. I don't know if you knew, Aaron, but he's a Navy SEAL. So better watch out. Uh, I really like he explains what hell week is and i'm like look dude i've seen gi jane we Thank all know you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all know and to me this is just a bunch of posturing because he just will not fucking shut up about it like his mental game is beyond anything anybody i mean no one has ever faced any adversity in their life like he has faced adversity He's been, he's had to stay up for multiple days on end. And I'm like, cool. No one could ever have been as awesome as you. He talks about the unknown being very daunting. And I do believe that. But yeah, he just fucking talks the whole time. And people are intimidated by him because he seems very confident and he should be. He's successful, you know, in former years and stuff like that. But he's so irritating yeah. I think what what bothered me or was the most interesting is he talked about the things that 
give him anxiety are things that wouldn't give other people anxiety, right? They, they're the simple things, the small things. And I can get behind that because I can't go through a car wash, which seems really <laughs> stupid. <laughs> but he's like, he was sitting at their old house. It was empty. He had to make some calls. He needed internet. So he's sitting there waiting for a Zoom call. And he had a little bit of PTSD because he just remembered when he was in a country where people wanted to kill him and he was trying to get a hold of his family or, or whatever to tell them he was alive and they love him. And that, can you imagine doing that? Can you imagine doing that? And I'm like, no, but I would wager that the people on the other end are more stressed out than you are. I mean, I know you're stressed out, but you chose that. You chose and worked very hard to do that. That was an active decision. And the people that are behind waiting for you to call, I think are probably have more emotional trauma than the person who is actively doing what they wanted to do. Yeah. And don't you find it interesting that he's like talking about people being uncomfortable and people stepping into the unknown and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, this is where I'm most comfortable. And I'm like, yeah, you were doing the thing that makes you comfortable, like kind of is what you're blaming everybody else. And I'm like, it's the same thing. It's just so funny to hear people talk about stuff like that. And they think they're being so deep. Mm-hmm. and guru-like, and I'm like, you just protest too much. Yeah. Yeah. A- absolutely. Yeah. This is your comfort zone. Just because it's uncomfortable for someone else doesn't make it you special because it's comfortable for you. Might make you a psychopath, but that's beside the point. <laughs> well, I mean, anytime people do anything that brings them anxiety, that's bravery. Mm-hmm. So Every time I get on a plane, I feel like... yeah. That's bravery somehow, but it's just a means to an end. So you got to do what you got to do. Like I said, he's, he's a hell of a competitor. And like I said, I don't doubt that he was a Navy SEAL or he, he did face some things, but the way he talks about it is so grating. He would come across so amazing if he just shut his fucking mouth. Uh, Yeah. I think that's the problem is absolutely well done that you were able to do these things, but yeah, just calm down and acknowledge that other people have their own successes. And just because they're not your successes doesn't make them any less amazing in what they do. So eloquently said. Thank you. Mm. While we're running this race, because we we're, we're a few laps in now, Jennifer, James's wife, has to tell him during one of the, the couple of minutes in between laps that his dad had become unconscious. They had put him on a ventilator. And I just thought, I don't know. Well, one, I wasn't going to, I would never have raced to begin with. But when they came back after they're like, oh, he's fine. Go ahead and go back and race. I thought that was a bad idea. You're never going to see your dad again. Because this race will be there next year. I wonder if he regrets it. I hope he doesn't. But yeah, it's sort of that weird American up against adversity thing that we tend to celebrate here like yeah just go spend some time with your family like family can be first you don't have to win this race for your dad to prove that you guys had a good relationship Mm -hmm. i do believe that once he's in the thick of it running this race and having something else to focus on would have been beneficial right you know so i agree he was able to call and talk at his dad for lack of a better word they put him on speaker so he could say his last words to his dad and talk to his family and that so at least he felt like he had some closure i'm sure yeah it wasn't easy the fuckers made me cry because you know you have to see someone saying goodbye to their father and i'm like god damn it you didn't have to show that right unacceptable It gets a really human element, though. Like, obviously, it's man versus nature going on in this. I mean, not by plane crash or anything, but by choice. I digress. Um, But this is kind of, you know, another theme, which is, you know, a new adversity. It's man versus himself. I don't know. It's just man versus Mm -hmm. man. But yeah, it's, it's difficult to watch him go through this. He does give it a hell of an effort, though. He ends up making it nine hours, mm-hmm. nine and a half, loop 30, 
33 miles is how far he makes it. And he's in a rough shape. Again, body's starting to fail. Um, he's not super coordinated. Um, even mentally, you can see that he's struggling because Jennifer and then somebody else that they know is walking with him, running with him, trying to encourage him to keep going and that kind of stuff. But, you know, he makes it across the finish line. He doesn't have to, they don't have to like take him out of the woods or anything, but he's fallen down right. and it's not great. So, right. yeah. 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 It's not good. But in that last mile was the one I feel like, and I'm not sure if this is true or not, that Jennifer had to tell him that his dad had passed. And then she walked that last mile or two with him. And that was just it. That's all he had. So, but still 33 miles. I mean, that's a lot. When you think of the elevation. I mean, that's a lot, period. I'm not, I, I don't even drive that far every day. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So we get to the first 20 minute intermission. This is 8 PM at night, 12 hours into the race. What I find interesting is this is where Chad's training really comes in handy. Cause I feel like I've seen a million things that are like, Oh, the military, they teach you to fall asleep in two seconds flat. And then you can sleep for 10 minutes and you feel better. So he was able to actually sleep during these like intermissions. And whereas others you've been running nonstop. I can't imagine other than, going into a coma that you're ready to fall asleep, right? Yeah. There's a lot of discussion on if you stop running, you tend to get a little bit cold. Now that means like muscle cold, not temperature cold. But when you get back up and start moving again, moving again, it, it might induce some cramping. So mm -hmm. there is some strategy going on with different people. But yeah, Chad seems to, and I, like I said, this is, partially a mental game too mm -hmm. so i don't know for sure that he was sleeping he looked like he was sleeping yeah true he might so, not have he had yeah. a cloth over his face or something but yeah i think if i sat down like that i would never get back up you know what i mean i'm like i and i'm done i'm out <laughs> yeah there are 13 runners left at this point They've run about an equivalent of 52 miles, which is two marathons. Your best friend, Luke, is going to stress test his um, himself and run his, I don't know, if it's his normal time, I doubt it, but he's going to try to get a 12-minute mile in just to, I don't know, check the scene, I guess. And he is successful. He gets uh, like 11.40, and everybody's like, that was fucking stupid, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it is dark out now. So they have these headlamps on where they're running in the woods. These are trails in the woods in the mountains. So where there are roots and stuff up and they had like marked them pretty well. So you could see them, which I appreciate very much. They probably mm -hmm. learned from previous experience. Marking them helps. Probably don't see it as well. But at this point, you've run the loop a hundred times. So you've got it down. I don't know. But also, aren't there bears in Tennessee in the mountains? Maybe there's enough noise going on that they're not tempted to come over. And also, I can't imagine how bad these people stink. So, Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. But still, I just think there's a whole lot of wildlife in the, in the wooded mountains <laughs> of Tennessee that I want no part of. Our friend Danny and his now wilted hair. He's not doing so well. And his friends, on one hand, I'm like... You're so supportive. And on the other hand, I'm like, you're the worst people in the world because they're like practically carrying him, throwing him to go good. Just keep going. You can do one more. This kid is barely standing and he goes for another mile. And sadly, he didn't make that last one back in 20 minutes. He didn't make the 20 minutes. So he was cut. But I'm surprised. I'm assuming they had to drag him out just by his arms and legs because he wasn't going out on his own at that point. And again, they barely seem conscious too. I mean, the running that they're doing at this point, most of them, the ones that are getting ready to scratch, you can kind of see it. Um, mm -hmm. They're shuffling along. Mm -hmm. It's pretty obvious who's in good shape still and who is not. So, but the mental part of it to me was a little bit scarier. There's a lady named Aaliyah Moore. And she kind of craps out at 54 loops, 59.4 miles, 18 hours of running. 
And I just wanted to say her name because she's so fucking calm and mm-hmm. less dramatic than all the men. Um, yes. You know, they are like frothing and falling all over themselves and you don't know what their fucking name is. And she's like, okay, cool. Running is fun. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. You know, she's <laughs> just, and I'm like, that's the whole microcosm of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I thought Danny was going to die in the middle of that last loop that they threw him on. Like, you're just going to find him halfway, right? He did not. Right. He he made it, but he finished with 55 loops, 60.5 miles, 18 hours. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. At loop 72, we have five runners left. This is at 79.2 mm-hmm. miles and 23 hours in. That's madness to me you've been running for 24 fucking hours essentially we're at the next day now right so you you started at like eight in the morning and now we're at eight the next morning and the first day was kind of overcast it was like 70 80 degrees with like 80 percent humidity this day full sun now thankfully in the wooded area it's not quite as bad you have some trees in that but still there's no clouds they're like it's like 80 90 degrees out which is like 32 degrees celsius it's 70 80 percent humidity how are they even breathing at that point? I can't, you walk outside and it's like, you can feel the air. It's just heavy. Yeah. I assume they just feel like they're running through soup at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Something. It's so gross. So gross. So gross. How's our friend Greg doing? Well, that quad issue that he dealt with the last year is starting to pop up. He seems like he's mentally strong though. So, I think it is an interesting argument to make which goes first. Um, Cause I know I've, I've been kind of hard on the mental state of some of these folks, but he seems like he's okay mentally. And then um, he ends up scratching. So my favorite part of this is that he just hops in his car and drives off. Like what? Right? He literally, he gave up his bracelet, walked straight to his truck and left. Like that was it. So long, folks. It was so weird, right? No, I'm going to get some water first. So weird. <sighs> Go to the bathroom. I didn't write down how far he made it. I didn't write down any of that. I was just like, <laughs> oh, he, he gone. Okay. <laughs> Maybe my wife won't notice if I don't take any more time. Is that what he's thinking? Right. I've only been gone for 36 hours. It's fine. <laughs> oh, my God. That <sighs> cracks me up. Which you'll see later, like some of the previous people who had scratched out come back like they go shower and stuff and clean up and come back and so but not greg no he just he's done he left like i don't even know if he stopped he just like <laughs> ran straight to his car it's so strange so uh mark holcomb i don't know if we talked about him he was one of the last five he's out 80 loops 88 miles 27 hours so now we have three people left we have chad luke and our friend A.A. Ron from New York, we don't didn't really talk about, but he uh, he's young. His hair is braided so nice and clean. I think he rehabs houses or something for a living. I can't remember. I think the most interesting thing about A.A. Ron is his dad. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like a really sweet guy. It's so cute. His dad is uh, tearing up before Chad ever even scratches out of the race. Oh, sorry. A.A. Ron, my bad. Yeah, his dad is just like, I'm so proud of him. It's the cutest thing I've ever seen. It's adorable. Way to show men that it's okay to be a strong man and cry. I'm here for it. Right. So anyway, A.A. Ron ends up dropping at 84 loops, 92.4 miles, and 28 hours. And he falls directly into the arms of his very caring father. And no, I'm just kidding. That was a little dramatization on my part. But the dad (laughs) does call the mom and he's crying. Mm -hmm. And she says to him, are you getting a little emotional because you're tired? (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, yeah, probably. It's (laughs) it's so sweet. He's like, I've been up since like three, two days ago. Right. I know. It was very sweet. Mr. Dana, you're a lovely human being. (laughs) And I'm sure your son is also lovely, but we don't talk to him much because he was running. Right? He's just out of breath. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
lovely braids though. Mm-hmm. So then there were two. We have Chad and Luke. And in this case, it's the lesser of two evils and I want Luke to win because he's not quite as obnoxious, right? It's just, it's just a different level of obnoxious. I wrote the same thing. I'm like, I don't know who I want to win because they're both horrible. <laughs> but I do like Luke a little bit better. That is true. At this point, I'm going to have to bring up the poop talk. I wish you would because... These were questions we had for Safety to Gnome, and they were answered in this one. So I thought you'd be very happy. It's a prominent discussion, which I guess is good. But they have some porta potties there, and they talk about you have to be on your game if you need to run a poop loop. So you like run a little faster so you can go and make use of the facilities. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, uh, it doesn't end there, though, Aaron. No. No, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. We do see Chad's brother with a bag of what he calls shitty shirts. So along the way, God knows at what point in time, but Chad is essentially shitting real fast or running and using his shirt to wipe his ass and then leaving the shirt in the trail. Now, I really appreciate the fact that they go and pick them up so they're not just left out there. But still. How, again, you're a grown-ass man who's Mm -hmm. extremely confident. And Mm -hmm. it is okay for you to leave that out in the woods for a family member to Mm -hmm. go and retrieve for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A real man would go up and pick up his own shit shirt. Facts. But, you know, he's the kind of man who feels like he shouldn't have to pick up his shit shirts. He's too good for that, Aaron. He's got more important things to do, like to run in a circle for 50 hours or whatever. Look, I will say he's got the meatiest thighs I've ever seen. He has got some quads for days. Mm -hmm. Maybe his only attractive quality. Yes. By far the only attractive quality. (laughs) And he's not running in, like, normal t-shirts. He's running in, like old man short sleeve collared shirts it's like a button up like a plaid some of them are long sleeve and i assume that was maybe for bugs or for sunburn and things like that yeah yeah but it is very weird like he has diva like costume changes very consistently yes every couple loops i feel like there's a new shirt yes yeah and i wonder if he just goes to the goodwill and stocks up because these are disposable at this point or they should be. Do not wash those. Throw them away, please. Burn them. Oh, God. I can't imagine. They also talk about people peeing on themselves. I mean, I'm not a runner. There's probably a reason for that. But I am not okay with them being like, well, it's liquid. And if I pee on myself, maybe it'll evaporate and I'll feel better. It's so different than how <laughs> the rest of culture uh, views bathroom stuff um and i'm like on one hand i guess it's good that they embrace the body's natural functions but i don't want to hear about it word they talk about early on they talk about yeah so men will if you have to to urinate they will just run off the trail into the woods real quick pee and come back that's not really a good option for women so i'm guessing they have to use the porta potties regardless I can't imagine they're going to the bathroom that often. I feel like everything you're taking in, you're probably evaporating out, right? Well, also, I'd like to say, if you are having some kind of diarrhea attacks that you have to, like, sprint off the trail and shit in the woods, maybe you're done. I think that's fairly common for runners. I've seen articles about it. I think just the act of running causes... Jar something loose in there? Move everything, (laughs) yeah. And if you're just doing it nonstop, you know... Yeah, I think that's a byproduct of the running. Ugh, okay. Someone who runs can gladly correct me. And please correct me because I don't want to think about all marathon runners shitting themselves. Because that's the <laughs> image I have in my mind now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it is difficult to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, like we said, we have two people left. Now, Luke didn't come with anybody else. He came by himself. So what I found really 
sweet was that a lot of the ex runners, the people who had already scratched came back and they became Luke's crew. They became people who made sure he had food and drinks and electrolytes and what he needed between the loops because Chad had all of that. He had a support staff. He had a pit crew as it were. And so these people jumped in and became his pit crew because they wanted to see what he could do with the same resources, right? They didn't want him to fall behind because of that. And I love that. They were so sweet. There was a really supportive culture kind of shown here. And that was really cool. I think it's interesting because Chad decides that the race has started about 35 hours in. And I don't know who made him the boss, but um, yeah, he's, he's like, I'm just down to one other runner. And now things are about to get real. If I were a bystander or even the people holding this race, I'd be like, I just trip one of them so they can't get back up. (laughs) I'm done. I want to go to bed. I just want to be done. It's like watching the people with the hands on a hard body. Just, can we just go home? A hundred percent. They do show people just sitting around reading books and they're in sleeping bags. And I was like, Ooh, I could be a pit crew member. Like, (laughs) Not subjugated, as it were, in Chad's crew, but nonetheless, like I could, I could make some toast for somebody. Yeah. I could spread some avocado. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that part seemed like it might be fun, but I agree with you. Like six hours in, and it's hot, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go get a shower. Mm-hmm. See ya. Good luck to you. Yeah, I'm gonna go shopping or something fun because it <laughs> sucks. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, so. Luke finally fell behind. They they continue to run for a while, but he finally fell behind and he missed the 20 minute mark for the mile, right? He ran for 37 hours and 121 miles. And so Chad had one more loop to complete. Just got to get that last one done to -hmm. then be the winner. Right. Mm -hmm. And he did, of course, in 20 minutes. Fine. And it's a weird mix for him when he's done, because on one hand, he's like, well, I just felt like I was getting started. And then on the other hand, he's actually quite complimentary to Luke. And I was like, finally, you show some humanity. Yeah, it was. I don't know. Chad said people won't remember me for what I did, but who I am. And I'm like, that's not a positive thing, sir. (laughs) No, right. 100%. Yeah, I'd rather they remember you for what you did there. Just saying. They say that in the 38 hours, Chad and Luke climbed the equivalent of sea level to the top of Mount Everest and then an additional 10,000 feet and down again. So up and back down in 38 hours. Chad Wright won with 111 loops, 122.1 miles in 38 hours. And he was presented with a lovely quilt. And the quilt is made by Kathy Cox, who is the mom of John Cox, and he is the MC or whatever you want to call the director of the Mid-State Mile. And she seemed very cute. She's like, well, I guess I'll start picking out fabric for next year. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, I think this is held on John Cox and his wife. I can't remember her name. Um, I think it's on their property. So I think they hold it every year. So there's no, they're not getting anything out of it other than joy? I don't know. Well, we don't know. I mean, they didn't talk about if there's entry fees. They didn't talk really about any of that. I think there are, but they did mention that everything that comes in supports the race and nothing Mm -hmm. else. They don't make money off it or anything like that. So, yeah. I wish they had talked about what kind of recovery time it takes for this. Because I'm like, do these people not have jobs they all had jobs, but I mean, cause they told us what everyone did. I just don't remember all of them, but it's more of a, I guess they just take the next month off. I don't know. Sick leave. <laughs> yeah. Cause I don't, I mean, this is the limits of the human body, right? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it just, it's fascinating. I, I guess I'm, I'm okay with the fact that my goals are not like this. Right. I don't have that drive to fill a gap that intense. Mm. No, uh, I'll, I'll just eat some chocolate and be fine with my day. 
it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Right. Did you happen to catch the credits? I didn't. Uh-uh. Okay, so the credits, they have some shots of the camera guys running with the racers, like with these giant cameras. And it was really funny to watch some of that. I enjoyed that quite a bit. I did see that because I, I commented to John. I'm like, oh, you forget that these people also have to run along, right? Because we talked about that in Safety to Know. I'm like, oh, my God, yeah. the documentarians have to go through this, too. It's horrible. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. That part was really funny. I enjoy when they kind of give you a little glimpse behind the camera of mm-hmm. the camera, I guess. But <laughs> anyway, it was really funny. So, yeah. Yeah. It was a really good documentary. I enjoyed it so much just it's it's much like a cult documentary for me i don't understand (laughs) it i just have to watch them to try to understand it and i still don't i walk away thinking why but it's still fun to watch i agree i guess do what you love it's fine it doesn't affect me at all i just find it interesting that that's how people want to spend their time Mm -hmm. agreed did you have an honorary errand for this one I did. I chose Jennifer, James's wife, because Mm -hmm. she was there supporting him, picking up the pieces and that, which seems like a pretty errant thing to do just to be like, I'm here for you. I got you. Let's go. Let's do this. You know, Um, I feel like we play that role quite a bit. Indeed. Mm -hmm. You? I chose Kathy Cox because obviously everyone is running after her quilt. And at the end of the day, I feel like that's the Marin energy. All the men chasing you. (laughs) Her quilt brings all the boys to the yard. That's absolutely right. (laughs) I love it. Good stuff. Okay. What are we going to do next week? Okay. Next week, uh, we're going to come back to a bit of a classic in the documentary genre. We're going to do American movie. So this is a 1999 release, about an hour and 40 some minutes, 44 minutes. I am watching it on Tubi if you don't want to pay for it. And I guess this is just a strange set of characters trying to make a movie and kind of the struggles that they go through to get that done is the shortest synopsis I can give you. Mm -hmm. I've not seen it. I can't wait to watch it. It was a recommendation by one of our favorite authors, the one and only bloggest, yeah. Jenny Lawson. So yeah. we will enjoy watching it and then talking about it next week. Yeah, it seems right up our alley. That is um, absolutely correct. So, Right. All right. Well, come find us on the social medias, on I think all the mm-hmm. social medias now. I'm setting up the TikToks. It's started. I haven't posted <laughs> anything yet. <laughs> Um, or on a website, godocyourself.com. Um, leave comments, leave suggestions. Always be nice if you can. And we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Bye. Bye.